Welcome to the Jesus 360 Podcast, a devotional guide to the names and descriptions of Jesus given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Brother Daniel and myself, Blair Phillips, will be co-hosting today's description on Jesus, the one who judges in righteousness and makes war. And so we are in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, the third and final revelation of Jesus that we have in this verse. And it reads, Now I, John, saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. And so, Brother Daniel, this is the action of Jesus. We, John's beheld Jesus, and he's communicated to us his mode of transportation on a white horse. He's communicated to us the prevailing name of Jesus, one of the prevailing names of Jesus that is seen in this moment. And now he's communicating an action that Jesus will go forth in righteousness, judging and making war. Well, this... Uh... Uh, issue of Jesus being the righteous judge and making war goes hand in hand. Some people might find this to be contradictory uh, because a judge does not go to war, but uh, in the ancient world, the king is the judge Mm. and the king is the general. And so he goes to war for a righteous cause in this particular case. In fact, his name is called the Prince of Peace uh, in Isaiah chapter 9. He's called the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. So how can the Prince of Peace be interested in making war? How can war ever be right? You know, throughout the the history of the world, uh, we are living in an unusual period of reprieve right now because the last great war of the world that impacted millions and millions of people uh, over 70 years ago. And praise the Lord. And But this is a very unusual link in time when uh, without a major regional uh, warring conflict. And we pray that uh, let this period be prolonged. But according to the revelation of Scripture, wars are coming. And this is inevitable, not because God desired it, because of the wickedness of humanity. Nation will rise against nation, people against people. Rumors of wars will be there. So we are not uh, preaching about a utopia on the earth because the sinful nature of humanity has not yet been resolved. Only in Christ they can be forgiven. Only new creation in Christ will have that ability to live an everlasting life that is transformed and sanctified by the Spirit. But even new creation in Christ in this world still have to be involved in war because when you have your enemy ravaging your village, your town, your nation, killing your family member, you can't just say, okay, peace, I'm a pacifist. Okay, come pacifist, kill all my family members. I'm not going to take up anything to defend my family. Well, we can talk about it theologically and we can talk about it conceptually. But when you have a bunch of evil, uh, uh, psychopathic people attacking you in the real near proximity, I think our human instinct will react very differently. Mm -hmm. Our uh, filial, our family, love for our family will cause us to rise up and say, I can't let my children be ravaged. I can't let that my wife be killed or be be uh, brutalized by these people. I have the responsibility to defend, to defend my family. That's how you know. Even sometimes believers in Christ, we 
have to be involved in the defensive reality, getting involved in war. And sometimes those wars were reaction to some other attack and and situation. I am not a person who is a fan of the war, but I want to say this, that uh, Jesus is in this time, Revelation 19, coming to have a war that potentially ends all other future wars. Well, it will end, except for... Well, it's a, it's a necessary war. Yeah, this one will... Uh, basically set up the millennial kingdom and Satan will be given a 1,000 years of a bottomless pit imprisonment sentence and at the end of it he will have one final rebellion according to Revelation chapter 20 mm-hmm. and if he have repented we won't have to face one more war but unfortunately Satan according to the word of God is unrepentant and the end of his 1,000 year sentence is final, final, final chance to be redeemed. He threw it away by leading another great rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so there's one more war. There's one war before the, at the Jesus second coming at the beginning of the millennial. And there's one more at the end of the millennial. Yes. And those two will end all other wars. There will be no more wars after that. There will be uh, the Prince of Peace will establish eternal peace. And the new Jerusalem will be the default governmental structure. I'd like just to add one scripture into our conversation with here we have Jesus appearing in the sky and making a war to bring peace. And so and that's Isaiah chapter two. And it talks about the Lord judging the nations to bring them to peace. And so specifically verse four, he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. And as a result of that rebuking, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But it required a rebuke from Jesus, which will probably come in the form of a confrontation, to get them to come to ultimate peace. I believe so. And uh, actually, one of the head of the state in the recent uh, 2019 General Assembly of the United Nations gave a speech that was quite inspiring, even though I don't think many people will respond to him. He said, you know, the amount of budget we spend on weapons of war and defense globally can be used to be redeployed to do some real adaptation uh, in, in, uh, in like with some future challenges to human civilization. But we're spending a lot there because it's necessary, because when your defense is down, other people will come take your things away from you, just like cybersecurity. You know, a lot of companies spend, J.P. Morgan and Chase spend $300 million a year just on cybersecurity. Still, millions and millions of customer data are stolen away. As long as there are weakness, uh, there are the necessity for defense. But in this particular case, Jesus comes to remove every weakness from the earth. That's why he's making this war. And Armageddon is a gathering of the army of the world, the weakened army of the world, by the Antichrist to lay siege of Jerusalem and eventually to fight against Jesus. And Jesus comes to defeat them and to remove wickedness from the earth. So that's why this is righteousness. This is righteousness in a true sense, that he makes war as the righteous one. So how do we pray this revelation of Jesus as the one who in righteousness judges and makes war at his second coming? I would say when I come to Jesus who is judging in righteousness and part of his righteous judgment is the necessity to make that war and defeat the Antichrist on his army, 
then I must be prepared to be enlisted as a spiritual uh, first and second Timothy type uh, army of the Lord that live in a wartime mentality. The wartime mentality is a missionary mindset of which I will only take what is necessary in my life in order to proceed in my pilgrimage on the earth instead of being bogged down by the pleasure of this world. So because he's the one who who is who judges righteously and make war, I must have the warfare, wartime mentality against Satan and his plan and wickedness. In other words, I will be aware of spiritual warfare and that, that I will ask the Holy Spirit to train my hand for war, to understand that this is not my, my war is not against flesh and blood not a human enemy, but the power of darkness and principality behind the human, influencing the human, and every single human that I can be involved in saving through the gospel, and even the people that spitefully use me and oppress me, if I can bring them to faith, I have one more person in the harvest of the wheat in the coming days with the resurrection of the saints. And so, uh, just as he is the one who judges righteously, I want to be the one that walk in his righteousness and be able to be actively enlisted as part of his spiritual warrior that is consecrated to him. And uh, we're on the full armor of God according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, praying the Spirit in all prayer, knowing that that uh, our, war, our weapon is not carnal, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principality, power, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. So we need to be alert that we have an enemy. This is real, and he's always looking for opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy. And But we're called to overcome by the power of, the Holy, of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus, we say thank you that you are the one coming in righteousness to judge and to make war. Lord, we recognize that there is a needed conflict with wickedness. There is a needed confrontation with the sin of men and the evil upon the earth. And we are those who are your soldiers. We are those who are your people because this is who you are. And so, Lord, we ask today that we would live with your mission. We would live with this righteousness and truth and zeal in our hearts to advance the kingdom and advance the gospel and to advance your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you for joining us for this Jesus 360 podcast, and we invite you to join us next time as we continue on through the names and descriptions of Jesus in the book of Revelation. You satisfy my soul you satisfy my soul you satisfy